I um, told you last time what the Apostle Paul said about the man of lawlessness, the Antichrist, described in the first five verses of chapter 2. Here, beginning at verse 6 of chapter 2, he continues to talk about his appearance, the appearance of the man of lawlessness. Verse 6, chapter 2. And now you know what is holding him back so that he may be revealed at the proper time. For the secret power of lawlessness is already at work. But the one who now holds it back will continue to do so until he is taken out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will overthrow with the breath of his mouth and destroy by the splendor of his coming. The coming of the lawless one will be in accordance with the work of Satan, displayed in all kinds of counterfeit miracles, signs, and wonders, and in every sort of evil that deceives those who are perishing. They perish because they refuse to love the truth and be saved. For this reason, God sends them a powerful delusion so they will believe the lie and so that all will be condemned who have not believed in the truth but delighted in wickedness. Question is, how do you restrain a dangerous animal? You put him on a leash or a chain, right? How do you contain a wild killer animal that attacks people? You put it in a cage. And no matter how trained these animals are, they will attack even their trainers if they're not restrained. Growing up in the Middle East, the... Only dogs that I was introduced to and exposed to are wild dogs or guard dogs. They are attack dogs. And we had some at our house. Not in the house, but outside the house. None of us, no one, could ever come near them except my father. I could never understand that. He is the only one who could get to them early in the morning and tie them in a chain so that people can come and go. He's the only one who could go up there late at night and set them loose. Please understand, I have nothing against your lovable, huggable pet. Do not send me cards (laughs) with pictures of your dog and telling me how lovely your dog is, because I do get that, and it really happens all the time as I, um, sometimes I joke about it, but I really, this is not a joking matter. Because these dogs that I was exposed to, standing on their hind legs, they were taller than six feet high. What they did to an intruder once is an image that I will never forget. And that is why during the day, they had to be restrained. They had to be tied down. That is why during the day they have to be held back. Otherwise, no one can come and go. 
In the verse 6 of 2 Thessalonians 2, the Apostle Paul indeed want to give us this word picture like I've seen in real life. How God is the one who restraining the Antichrist. The word restrain means to hold back or to hold down or to suppress. And through the years there have been speculations about who is that or what force that is suppressing, holding back, restraining the Antichrist. Lots of views from good and godly scholars. And they have a good reason for this variation because in one stage when they talk about the force that is restraining the Antichrist, it's in the neuter. When they talk about the person behind that force, it's in the masculine. I'm going to explain that to you in a minute that it's really much simpler than you realize. There are some who believe that the restrainer that Paul is talking about is the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That as the preaching of the gospel is going on around the world, that as long as it's this happening, the Antichrist is held in check. And they used Matthew 24, where Jesus said that this gospel of the kingdom must be preached to the end of the earth, then the end will come. There are others who have said that the restrainer is the nation of Israel. Others have said that restrainer is the influence of the church on society as a salt and light, keeping evil in check. Others, like my dear good friend and mentor for 35 years, John Stott, uh, have said the restraining is that power of the government. When, when a government authored by God, according to Romans 13, to exercise justice and restrain evil, when that breakdown of law and order takes place, the Antichrist will come. Others have said that the Archangel Michael from Daniel chapter 10 is the one who's restraining the Antichrist. But then in the epistle according to Jude, verse 9, the Archangel Michael couldn't restrain Satan. He said, the Lord rebuke thee. So all of these explanations of who the restrainer, who's restraining the Antichrist from appearing, they all might be interesting. But human restrainers can never, never restrain the Antichrist. I'm going to tell you why. Because he is going to have Satan's power. He's not going to have his own power. He's going to have Satan's power in operation. Humans preach the gospel. Humans make up government. Humans make up the nation of Israel. Humans make up the church. (laughs) But regardless of who the humans are, they are no match for Satan. They are no match for Satan's power. Because Satan is a supernatural being. Certainly not the church. For one thing, the church has not been able to restrain evil within its walls. You don't believe me? Think of how the lives of many people inside the churches are so messed up. The only power that can restrain Satan and his boy, the Antichrist, is God's power. He is the only one who can restrain Satan and his puppet. He is the only one who says to Satan, Satan You can come thus far, but no further. He is the one, the only one who can say to Satan, Satan, you can sift Peter as wheat, but you cannot harm him. He is the only one who can say to Satan, you can test Job, but you cannot destroy him. God is the only one 
who says, you must stay within your boundaries that I have placed you in. He is the only one who can say to Satan, Satan, you must stay in the cage that I built for you. It is true that Satan does not like to be part of God's timetable. Of course, Satan hates to be restrained by God's sovereign power and might. Of course, Satan would love to reveal his puppet, the Antichrist, the false Messiah. Of course, he would love to do that. Satan loves to usurp and steal the glory of God. But don't ever forget that Jesus' foot is on Satan's neck right now. Amen. Listen to what Job said to God in 42.2. He said, I know that you can do all things. No plan of yours can be thwarted. Thus, the man of lawlessness will only appear on God's timetable. Not Satan's. God will allow him to appear after he got all of his redeemed (laughs) through the gate of salvation. Now I want to stop here and say something that is not in the text, but it's, it's very important. I lived long enough to see things that caused me pain, that caused me grief. None greater than the fact that so many Christians give Satan more credit than he deserves. They really do. Many believers give Satan a lot of credit. It does not belong to him. And you know what? Satan loves it. He really does. Some believers fear Satan. Some believers live in disobedience, and when they gain the consequences of their disobedience, they say, oh, Satan is attacking me. Make very clear and sure in your heart that you are not attacked by Satan for righteousness, but you are paying the wages of your coming out of the will of God from the, under the cover of God. Some believers drink deeply from the well of self. They come on Sunday and tip their hat to God. And then the rest of the week they're living for self. And when they suffer the consequences, they said, Oh, Brother Michael, we need to bind Satan. No wonder we have confused Christians who are running around from church to church, from pastor to pastor, preacher to preacher, teacher to teacher. And the secret is in one word. Obedience. Obedience. In fact, Paul said in verse 7, he said, the secret power of lawlessness is already at work. You have to have spiritual eyes, enlightened eyes to be able to see it. Those who are living in wickedness, they cannot see it. To them, it's a mystery. They show up on television after things like September 11 and say, where was God? They see evil in the world and say, where is God? Because to them, evil and lawlessness, the spirit of lawlessness that is operating in the world today is a mystery. They don't understand it. And that is why those of us who have spiritual eyes must be able to say, we know where God was. Those of us who know the truth, who can see it, see it clearly. 
See, lawlessness and the spirit of lawlessness operating, lawlessness is operating in the government, lawlessness is operating in the schools, lawlessness is operating in many a home, lawlessness is, is the lying spirits that are invading our society. It is the hypocrisy and the double talk that has become so common among politicians. It is the immorality of all kinds that has invaded millions of homes and false religions that are now accepted as the truth. We see it. We see it. You have to have spiritual eyes to see it. Oh, but when the man of lawlessness finally is revealed, let me tell you, the lawlessness that we see today is going to look like a Sunday school picnic in comparison. Verse 6. He who restrains. Now it's in the masculine. He who restrains. So what is Paul saying to us? When he talks about the force, the restraining force itself, it's in the neuter gender. But when he talks about the person behind that force, he gives us the masculine gender. Which can only be an indication that he is referring to the Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit of God is the supernatural spirit that holds Satan in check. The Holy Spirit of God is the supernatural spirit who restrains wickedness from running wild. The Holy Spirit of God is the supernatural power that says in uh, in Genesis 6, 3, My spirit will not strive with man forever. The Holy Spirit of God is the supernatural spirit with which Stephen referred to when he was dying in Acts 7, 51. is the one whom the wicked have resisted. He is the supernatural power in John 16, 8, who opposed, opposes evil in the world. He is the supernatural power who convicts the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. And that is why the phrase, when he's taken away or removed, you notice it did not say when he disappears. Because the Holy Spirit of God is sovereign. He's omnipresent. He cannot disappear. But his influence is going to be removed. His restraining work is going to be taken away. His convicting power is going to be removed. His power to hold back evil is going to be pulled away. But I want to hurry up and get to verse (laughs) 8. Praise God for verse 8. He says, the Lord Jesus will overthrow him with the breath of his mouth and destroy him by the splendor of his coming. Amen belongs here. Here's the good news. There is no long drawn out battle. There is no long period of struggle. There is no protracted war. Uh, Victory will be quick and instantaneous. Victory will be swift and fast. Victory will be immediate. And I can't wait. (laughs) But here's the question. The question remains, and any thinking person would read the Scripture. The question is, how? How can millions, I want to say billions of people, going to be deceived by this evil genius? How are they going to bow to this evil genius? How is this going to happen? But the answer is right in verses 9 to 12, right here. Verses 9 to 12, they give us the answer. You see, the Antichrist will have great powers and is going to be given to him by Satan himself. 
And Paul uses a Greek word here, energē, which from which we get the word energy. And normally this is a word that is reserved for God's power and God's activities and, and God's energy. But Satan will try to imitate God's power. <laughs> uh, Satan will enable his puppet, the Antichrist, to perform miracles. He's going to enable him to do counterfeit signs and wonders, to perform deceptive illusions, so much so that people are going to bow to him. They're going to bow to him. And they're going to worship him and think he's the Christ. And many will be taken by his deception. Verse 10. The reason many people will believe the lie of the Antichrist is because they refused to believe the truth about Jesus. In fact, in Matthew 24, 24, the Lord Jesus said that only the elect, only the elect are not going to be deceived. But he's even going to try to deceive them. He said, if possible, but of course not going to be possible because we're held in Jesus' hand and he cannot take us away from him. Hear me right, please. This is serious stuff. Those who do not stand for the truth of Christ will fall for the lie of the Antichrist. Those who are not anchored in Christ alone, by faith alone, through grace alone, are going to buy into the ploy of the Antichrist. Those whose faith is in, only in the spectacular and the wonder, but not in Christ and His cross alone, they will be wowed by the illusion of the Antichrist. Those who do not love the truth, stand for the truth, obey the truth, and even willing to die for the truth, they will fall for satanic deception. Those who have decided for themselves what they want to believe, how they're going to live, which way to do, what to do, and how to do it, and they've rejected the truth of Jesus, they will be mesmerized by the trickery, by the fake miracles of the Antichrist. I pray, God, not a single person at the sound of my voice will be in that camp. Verse 11, for this reason. What reason? For this reason. The reason, their refusal to believe that salvation is only through Jesus Christ and His cross. For this reason, God will send them a powerful delusion so that they will believe the lie. He's going to send them a powerful spirit of delusion. Let me tell you something. I know some of you are having heart palpitation right now about this verse. I mean, I can see it. <laughs> it's not fair. What do you mean God is going to send them a spirit of delusion to delude them? That is not right. That is not fair. How can God do that? How come he sent him a spirit of delusion? Well, before you get uppity, please calm down. Let me explain something to you, okay? There is a biblical principle that runs from Genesis to Revelation, a powerful principle. You must understand it in your head and in your heart and live by it. You say, what is that principle? The principle is this. When a person is adamant about rejecting God, and rejecting his plan of salvation. 
and rejecting his one and only son, when that person is adamant and hardened his or her heart, God says, I give you more of what you want. I'm going to show you from the Word of God. Cain refused to repent despite the fact that God gave him opportunity after opportunity. He said, okay, you're a wonder of the earth. Pharaoh hardened his heart toward God. Do you know that it's ten times he had crocodile tears and false repentance? And every time he reneges and then he goes back and hardens his heart even further. And the Bible said, and God hardened his heart. He gives you more of what you want. You thirst for God, he's going to quench that thirst. You hunger for God, he's going to fill you. You ask for faith, he will increase it. You harden your heart, he gives you more of what you want. He gives you more of what you want. In Romans chapter 1, three times, in one chapter, three times, three times it says, for this reason, God gave them up. For this reason, God gave them up. For this reason, God gave them up. What reason? Rebellious spirit, unrepentant hearts, willful disobedience. The opposite of believing the truth is delighting in wickedness. That's the bottom line. Why? Because when you believe the truth, and the truth permeates your heart and your mind and and your life, truth has moral implication. Truth will bring conviction and transformation. Truth makes moral demands on our lives. And the root problems, my beloved friends, is not an error here and an error there, but it is evil. That's the core problem. And believe it or not, the Apostle Paul gives us grim logic for evil. It's grim. It's terrible. But it's logical nonetheless. I want to show it to you from the Scripture. The first step, these people will delight in wickedness and deliberately choose it. Second downward step, refuse to love the truth. And beloved, listen to me. It is impossible for anyone to love the truth and love evil all at the same time. It is impossibility. You have to love one and hate the other. The third downward step is Satan gets in and he deceives them. The fourth downward step is that God himself sends them a strong delusion. It gives them over to their evil desires. And finally, the fifth step in this perverse logic is that they are condemned for eternity. As I said, this is very serious stuff. Don't take it lightly. Don't shrug it off. See, it begins by loving evil that leads to the rejection of the truth, which brings about the devil's deception, which culminates in God's hardening of the heart, and it ends in eternal condemnation. The only protection from all of this is to love the truth, live by the truth, walk in the truth, And that is why Jesus said, I am the truth. Any other way is not the truth. So let me conclude where I began. From my little world growing up as a boy to the global cosmos 
and what God is going to do in history is in my own experience to the world. We live now in the daytime. And in the daytime, God has the Antichrist, the man of lawlessness, on a chain. He's barking. He's trying to pull that chain, but he is still on a chain. Just as my father chained that wild animal. God is restraining the Antichrist. This is the time for restraining of evil by God the Holy Spirit. This is the time for repentance and turning to the Lord. This is the daytime which anyone comes to the Lord Jesus Christ and repent of his and her sin is able to be accepted and receive eternal life. Nighttime is coming when the wild animals are going to be set loose. It's going to be followed by rebellion. A time of lawlessness. A time when man of lawlessness will be fully revealed. And finally, will be a time of retribution. A time for the believers when the Lord Jesus Christ will defeat and destroy the Antichrist. A time when God will judge those who believed the lie of the Antichrist. Now, my beloved friends, this is God's program for history. That's His plan for history. This is His plan for the end of times. When lawlessness is going to run wild. If you can sit back and say, well, this is never going to happen in America. When the Spirit of God is withdrawn, doesn't matter where Europe, Australia, America, doesn't matter where it is. When the Spirit of God and His restraining power begins to pull away and that spirit of lawlessness is manifested through the Antichrist. I don't want to prolong this, but I want to ask you a question. Which side are you on? Which side are you on? Let me speak to the believer who has become lukewarm. Let the teaching of the Scripture stir your heart for genuine love to see the gospel of Jesus Christ work in your family, in your friends, in your neighbors. Let your prayer life be so burdened as to cry to the Lord. We're seeing people coming to Christ every day, but you'll never hear that in the news. Why do we have to wait until we see disasters before we start packing our prayer meetings? It is my plea that you would pray with me as we pray in a moment. Lord God, just set my heart on fire. Set my heart on fire. Teach me to number my days. Father God, as we see the signs all around us, we see what a breakdown of law and order is like. We, we know what lawlessness is going to be like. And Father, we know your word is true and your word said it's going to happen. I pray, Lord God, that in the name of Jesus, that you would wake us up before it is too late. Let us not hear your word and then go out and forget all about it and, and get on with the humdrum of life as if nothing been said and we've learned nothing. Father, in the name of Jesus, don't let these words to serve as a witness. Stir us up with such incredible passion and love for you 
that nothing will compare with you. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this message from Dr. Michael Youssef, recently featured on Leading the Way. If you'd like to know more about us, please visit ltw.org. That's ltw.org.